Samuel, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. How are you? Welcome to Season 2, Episode 14 of the Chalk Dust Podcast, where teachers talk about their experiences in the classroom. Because once the dust settles, every teacher has a story to tell. This is Kirby Alexander, your host, and today I'm talking with Samuel Mosley, a teacher living in Fort Worth, Texas. I've known Samuel since 2012 when he was a student in my educational technology class at TCU. Samuel started off as a high school English teacher, but he's also taught middle school language arts, and he is currently a coordinator for programs of choice at his alma mater, Southwest High School. Samuel has been a passionate and dedicated educator for over five years, and I can't wait to learn more about his experiences. Let's go ahead and get started. Hey, well, Samuel, thank you so much for taking some time to visit with me tonight. I really appreciate you taking time out of your schedule. Uh, I just think there's a lot we can learn from hearing about your experience as a teacher, both how you got into this profession, how you uh, have uh, managed the your uh, teaching since, I don't know, March when uh, everything changed in terms of people being in lockdown and quarantine and all that stuff. So uh, we just have a lot to learn from you, and I'm really appreciative of your time. Well, thanks for inviting me. I'm looking forward to this conversation, and uh, it's it's fun to reconnect with you. No, Absolutely, yeah. That's been the funnest part of of doing this podcast is just getting to reconnect with former students and colleagues, and that's that's just been great. So I'm going to jump on in and... uh, you know, give us a little background, first of all. Tell us, you know, what are you doing now? Where are you teaching? What are you teaching? How long have you been in teaching? You know, what grades, subjects, all that. Just kind of give us a little background on uh, what led you kind of to this point, you know, in terms of where where you've taught and what you've taught. Sure. Um, I knew pretty early on, I would say even before going into college at TCU, I knew that education was somewhat of a question. It was always something in the back of my head, if not the front of my head. Hmm. And I I say that because I have a a long family tradition of educators. Mm -hmm. My grandpa was a teacher and coach and principal in Fort Worth ISD. My mom taught for Arlington ISD and Everman ISD. Hmm. Um, Her siblings have all either been in education or they're currently in education. So it's, for lack of a better term, kind of the family business. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And so, you know, there was always that influence and always that importance put on education in the family. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I I grew up in, in that kind of culture and just naturally gravitated towards the field. Hmm. Um, so I think that before going into college, I knew that I was kind of toying with a, a few different ideas, but that was probably my, my strongest um, passion in terms of a career. Mm-hmm. So then I, I got into TCU and spent four wonderful years in the College of Education at TCU. I halfway through my my sophomore year, I was still a secondary social studies major, thought that I wanted to teach social studies. And then I ran into macroeconomics and hmm. we did not get along, didn't understand <laughs> it. And I thought, 
if one day I have to teach this, I'm in trouble. <laughs> so <laughs> that being said, um, English was also one of my my strong suits and something that I enjoyed. And so I switched over from social studies to English secondary education. Hmm. I finished up my degree and uh, my teaching experience at Western Hills High School with hmm. a, a wonderful mentor teacher and wonderful staff there. Um, and then I, I jumped right into things after that. You know, I graduated in May of 2015 mm-hmm. and was teaching in August of 2015. And oh, wow. Kind of how that worked out. I, I at one point considered doing the TCU 4-1 program. Yes. And I, I don't know how it happened, but at one point I decided, no, I don't think I'll do the 4-1. I just want to get the undergrad and go into teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I did. And out of TCU, thankfully, I, I landed a job. There were a couple different opportunities within Fort Worth ISD mm-hmm. to start my teaching career. And Southwest was one of them. Mm. I, I wasn't super fond of the idea at the time because Southwest was my high school mater. Ah. <laughs> and I just felt kind of kind of weird about going back to where I began things. Um, and, you know, just, I think, wanting to be a little bit more adventurous and exciting than that. Yeah. Um, but I, I came to the decision to start my career at Southwest because I felt like as a first-year first year teacher, it was going to be extremely important for me to have a support system around me mm-hmm. and I had connections at Southwest, you know, a lot of my teachers that I had were still there hmm. and it felt like home. Yeah. So with that mindset, I, I went to Southwest knowing that it was probably the place where I was going to get the most support as a first year teacher. Mm-hmm. So I taught for four years at Southwest high school, um, a couple of years into teaching, Hey, I actually do want that master's degree. Yeah. (laughs) And I thought that perhaps somewhere in my future, um, being a principal might happen. Mm -hmm. And so I I went into the educational leadership and policy studies program at UTA. Okay. And I got the degree there. Didn't end up getting the, the certification because as part of the program, you know, you have to shadow a principal and get, I think it was 500 hours of, um, mm-hmm. principal type work. Yes. And as I was doing that, I just saw all of the responsibilities and the stress of that job. Hmm. So I, I kind of figured, well, I'll still get the degree, but maybe there's something else that I can do with it instead mm-hmm. of being a principal. Maybe I, I can take on some other leadership position. Yeah. And, um, So after teaching and then continued teaching at Southwest for two more years, I taught at Southwest um, pretty much everything um, in terms of English language art. You know, I taught the on-level freshman courses Mm -hmm. for a good chunk of my time, but I also taught um, up to AP language and composition. And so I got to see a, a good mix of students. I got lots of good experience hmm. teaching various subjects and 
it, it was it was a great place to start my career. After those four years at Southwest, I um, I was kind of feeling a little burnt out and overwhelmed in mm -hmm. education, and I thought about you know looking at other possibilities. Mm -hmm. um, so I began looking at, at jobs within the district. I wanted an education, but I didn't know if the classroom was a permanent fit. Mm -hmm. So I, I began looking around, applied to some different things within the district, and, and nothing really came available for me. So then I said, okay, what's, what's plan B? I don't want to be unhappy as a teacher because um, then I suffer and my students suffer from that. Yeah. So I thought, well, if maybe... I can just change up the scenery. Maybe if I go teach somewhere else, uh, that will kind of freshen my perspective and mm -hmm. I'll get some new energy from that. Yeah. So that being said, I put myself on the teacher transfer list within the district. I was very particular about the campuses that I wanted to go to. Mm -hmm. So I started to send out resumes and emails to principals of probably three or four different schools within the district district I was interested in and mm -hmm. ended up getting an interview at Young Women's Leadership Academy. Oh, yeah. They took a chance on me. They interviewed me and said, hey, you've got the job. Um, it was it was a different experience in terms of my ELAR content because the only thing that they had available was a middle school, seventh and eighth grade position. Hmm. So I, I hadn't done the middle school, but you know, my certificate says that I can do middle school. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and so I figured, you, you know what, let me give this a try. And I, I really enjoyed it. It was a, a great place to teach. Um, made some good friends with my colleagues there. Mm -hmm. The students are amazing. They have such a great culture and a great program at mm -hmm. that school that um, it, was, it was really fun teaching mm -hmm. there it kind of reignited that, that passion for education mm -hmm. I was planning on continuing at Young Women and then over the summer last summer my principal from Southwest gave me a call and there was a position opening up at Southwest it's, it was kind of a um, more administrative type of role okay and so he he offered me the position and I interviewed for that and decided it was something that I wanted to, to do. And so now I'm back at Southwest. I'm currently out of the classroom, but still have my hands very much involved in um, students' lives and um, some of the things that are going on in the classroom, Yeah, which is really fun. My position has been titled several different things, mm -hmm. you know, public school districts kind of like to rework their uh, <laughs> yeah. structures and, and, and titles and everything. Yep. So uh, made coordinator, it's been called programs, a choice coordinator. Hmm. The, the title that they landed on this year is post-secondary success specialist. Okay. And it's quite a mouthful. So yeah. <laughs> depending <laughs> on, depending on who I'm talking to, I'm, Maybe something different, maybe programs, a choice coordinator, yeah. academic coordinator, but um, it, it's a fun gig. I, I really like what I'm doing. I get to oversee our advanced academics. 
So AP, dual credit, on-ramp, all of that is kind of within my um, responsibilities as well as, you know, college testing, SAT, ACT, PSAT, TSI. Um, wow. And then our, our programs of choice, which we have uh, three, we're adding one more next year. So, you know, I, I give my hand in a lot of things that the school is fun. And um, I still get to, to meet with students quite a bit. And, mm-hmm. Uh, being a supportive role for for them and for the teachers, which is uh, something I'm really enjoying. That's great. And what are what are the programs of choice you have at your school? Yeah, so our school has uh, four different programs. Okay, we have our broadcast journalism and media tech program. Oh yeah, which is a fantastic program. We've won several state competitions with the program as well as national competitions at the uh, skills USA for, I think it's three years in a row. We've placed number one. Oh, in the wow. Nation. Oh, wow. That's um, amazing. Yeah. It's, I mean, the teachers there, they do such a great job and uh, we just, our school just got renovated as part of the 2017 bond package. Oh yeah. And our immediate, Media tech facilities are incredible. It's like a professional studio yeah. in there. Oh, wow. Um, so we've got that program. We have a music and sound design program. Okay. Kids in that program get to um, write music, produce music, create music, perform music. Uh, they kind of go through the whole process. We have a, a partnership with UNT, and we use some of their software that they use. Okay. Uh, so it's a really fun program for the kids. They enjoy it. Next year, we're going to start up a welding program. Okay. So it's cool. going to be more of a technical skills oriented program of choice, mm-hmm. um, which will be a really cool opportunity for a lot of kids. Oh, yeah. Um, and then the, the program that I'm most excited about, and I've gotten to be in on the, the ground floor of this program early college. Um, so this is a program that most of the, the schools in the district are either uh, adopting or some of them already have. Mm-hmm. And it's a, a program that provides a, a pathway for students to earn um, either an associate's degree by the time they graduate high school or up to 60 hours of college credit. Oh, wow. So it's a really incredible program. This is our first year in the program. So I've, I've been able to take part in shaping the, the culture of the program, mm-hmm. and, um, trying to, to guide the students and the program and the teachers and uh, myself towards what we want the program to look like. So it's, it's a really fun deal. And, um, wow. It's, it's something to recommend to the incoming freshmen. Oh, that's amazing. It's, yeah. It, it could be future altering for Oh yeah. A lot of people. Yeah, to leave high school with college credits or even an associate's degree and to be able to start right into a program at a four year school, that's that's pretty amazing. That's great. Yeah. Um absolutely. And, you know, the thing I, I'm I'm here I'm listening to you share all these experiences and I keep reminding myself 
that you've only been out of college five years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you've done all of these things. Like that's amazing to me. That's really cool. You've you've gotten your masters in administration. You've you're now you're starting programs of choice at your at your former high school. I mean, that's really cool. Um so, you know, I imagine at this point, you know, you've you know, even though you haven't been teaching classes this year, you know, the, 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 the years leading up to this that you were teaching in the classroom, you've probably taught, you know, several hundred students um, and probably seen just about everything that's out there to see. Um, and, you know, I'm interested just to, to know, like, as a teacher, how, how did you judge your success? You know, maybe even beyond grades and test scores, like, how did you measure your success as a teacher? A really good question. Um, there's a couple of ways that I think I've tried to measure it, mm-hmm. um, and, and they didn't quite work. So one of the ways, you know, you can buy into the kind of systematic public school thinking that it's about the test scores. It's about the data. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, we're looking for results. Right. Yeah. And, and I think that that's a lot of what education is saying that the data and the results don't matter and they're not a good thing. I, I think that all those things are important. Mm-hmm. However, if you try to judge your success as a teacher based on that, um, you're always going to have test scores that you don't like. Mm-hmm. Right. So then what is what does that mean for you as a teacher? Are you always failing as mm. a teacher? Um, are you always not good enough? And, you know, so that kind of judging myself by that standard is it's a pretty harsh standard. And, and it was um, crushing. You know, you can't live up to the weight of test yeah. scores. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I tried that and didn't find too much freedom as a, a teacher in that and you know the other kind of way that I can think of is um, I think a lot, a lot of us get into education to take on the mantra you know if, if I can just save one kid or if I can keep yeah. one kid from you know you've heard that mm-hmm. quite a bit from educators right yeah and so you know you, you also think about in your success in terms of like did that one student who uh, came into the school year as the most impossible student to teach, did you turn that kid around? Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's also a very tough, tough measure of success, right? Because yeah. students are, first of all, students are human beings, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> you know, and human beings are complex. Um, so there's not just one side to the student being successful and therefore you being successful. You know, there's many facets to it. Um, mm. But I, it, if you try to address by that, you're always going to be disappointed as well because there's always going to be one student who doesn't fall in line or doesn't change his ways or doesn't, you know, invest in education like you want him to invest in education um because once again human beings are complex yeah absolutely 
the students are coming into to school with so much prior experience and background knowledge and um, so many social and emotional factors that have shaped them for, you know, the last 14 years if you're teaching high school freshmen and possibly the last 18 years if you're teaching high school seniors. And mm-hmm. so that's, that's a lot for one person to um, come in and, and try to change the trajectory of somebody's life. Um, yeah. To all different experiences. So I found that that didn't work. Um, <laughs> I think, you know, my, my biggest comfort in, success if you will mm-hmm. is did I do my work to the best of my ability can I go home at the end of the day knowing that what I've done has been on the student's behalf hmm. and I, I think that that's the ultimate measure of success and, and am I doing my job well did I do it to the best of my abilities and did I do it for the student. Yeah. Um, Cause at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of more or less the standard that I've developed. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. You know, I totally agree. You know, if you're using test scores, you're always going to fall a little short because there's always going to be that one score or set of scores that don't meet your standard. If you feel like you've got to like change every kid, there's that one kid who just, isn't going to go along with you. So yeah, yeah, I think that's great. Uh, and you know, so, you know, you've been an, an educator now for, you know, for five years, which, you know, isn't an incredibly long amount of time, but it's long yeah. enough. I think, uh, that, and especially in the world of education, it's long enough that you can start to see changes in, in the profession and in education. Sure. And so, you know, what, what are some of the, changes you've seen uh, since you started back in 2015? I think that there's a few different things that, that come to mind. Um, and I'll speak in terms of worth I see know too much of what's going on outside of it. Right. Um, <laughs> so I'll say that a couple of things that have changed is number one, I think there's, and we're beginning to see this. I'm beginning to see this in my new role, um, even more so Mm -hmm. than I did in the classroom. But I think that there's a big push for our CTE classes and CTE programs, Hmm. um, being able to provide pathways that get students career ready and not just college ready. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that that's a, a big push from our district and something that we're going to see more of in the future. Um, wow. Obviously, yeah. the, the the tech has changed a little bit. You know, um, five years ago, I wasn't thinking about doing classes virtually. Right. right? <laughs> we kind of accepted that school is done in person with 25, 30, 35 kids a class. Mm-hmm. and one teacher and i think that covid has has changed and and will continue to change the way that we do education um, you know there's there's new possibilities now that 
that we're discussing at the district level of how we're, we're going to do school from here on out. And so, wow. um, it's, it's exciting to, to think about the possibilities. You know, we have to be careful that we're not leaving kids behind mm-hmm. in, in these changes, but, uh, I think that a lot of good can come out of this pandemic. Uh, yep. Maybe yep. I shouldn't say that, but <laughs> no, you know, I, 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 I think, think that you're there right. can be. Yeah, um, I I can't. I, I think we're gonna learn a lot from it and be stronger than we're all at. No, absolutely. Um, yeah, I'm trying it, to think if there's been anything else that's been a, a big change. Yeah, and you know, going off of what you said about the pandemic, even though it's not necessarily a good thing because a lot of lives have been impacted impacted negatively but uh it's also i think exposed cracks in the system yeah that can be addressed and be fixed right like we really start to see like who who does fall behind and who is under resourced and right. what what right. happens when kids are under resourced and right. and how can we better keep track of kids and keep them connected to what's doing what's going on in school yeah. you know it's, it's definitely there's a lot of equity issues that I think are, are being looked at now because of this. And, and you know, that's a, that's another thing in the, in a greater push towards equitable education and mm-hmm. uh, making sure that kids who are underrepresented and under resourced are getting what they need in order to have, you know, the same quality of education as, as a kid who maybe has a little bit more means. Yep. No, absolutely. I think, and that's been long overdue and uh, I think it's good that it's finally, um, you know, being addressed, even if it had to be a global pandemic that exposed some of those, (laughs) those cracks in the system. Yeah. I totally agree with that. Um, Yeah. And, you know, speaking of that, you know, give me a little, like, kind of explain to me a little bit uh, how things went last spring, you know, speaking of the pandemic, you know, what was it like when you had to make a quick, a quick, quick shift to online learning? Cause I know that like you didn't really have to start teaching this year that you're working in the school, but you didn't necessarily have to start planning instruction. You maybe were helping teachers do it, but what was it like in the spring when you had to make that quick jump to remote learning? Yeah, it was it was interesting because at the same time that we were making that jump to remote learning, the district had actually just been um, hacked. And oh, that's right. Yeah, malware infiltrated our our network, and so we were going into spring break without technology that was working or working to its uh, fullest capabilities. Mm-hmm. And so then the, the pandemic hit and I, it was, I remember just kind of keeping my eyes on the news mm-hmm. saying, okay, who it looks like has extended their spring break. What are we going to do? Yeah. You know, and, uh, oh, this district said they're going, you know, Dallas ISD, I remember seeing that they're, they were going fully virtual and yeah. um, schools were saying they were closed indefinitely and 
all of that. So we just, you know, had to be flexible and just kind of keep up with what was going on. Um, I think that I myself was, it, it wasn't an extremely abrupt shift or um, an insurmountable challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I felt like I was pretty well equipped doing work uh, digitally and uh, utilizing, you know, our LMS and, um, so I, you know, I I had already done quite my students in class and work on their Chromebooks. And so, yeah, um, it was something I felt comfortable doing. Yeah. Now, obviously it was weird not being there with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of content delivery, it, it was okay. Yeah. 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 I've heard that from a lot of teachers that the hardest part necessarily wasn't the, the teaching, but it was just kind of being ripped away from your students and not, yeah. not seeing them and, you know, because as a teacher, you form that connection with your students. And, you know, yeah. like, I remember for myself and even now still teaching uh, college students, I, I look forward to seeing them, you know, yeah, every definitely. week. And so, well, and I know a lot of my colleagues, you know, going from March until June, that's not too big of a stretch, right? right. Uh, um, a lot of my colleagues are like, I can't do this much longer. Yeah. You know, how, how much longer are we going to have to teach like this? It's, it's definitely taking a toll on, on teachers. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I feel for them cause I, I just got a short taste of, of what it was like, but I don't know the extent of it, you know? Yeah. Oh, for sure. And I've heard the same thing that there's just a lot of fatigue and burnout, you know, and like, at least in Fort Worth ISD, you're basically like halfway through at this point. Right. You know, they just finished the third six weeks. And so right. there's, you know, half a year left. Uh, so it is, it's very exhausting. Um, you know, so I'm going to switch gears a little bit here. Uh, and, you know, thinking back to your, your, your time uh, in the classroom with students, how do you think your students described you? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I've, I've got a decent range of, of descriptions from students. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I, I tried to bring a lot of humor to the classroom and I tried to really prioritize the relationships before the content mm-hmm. because I always felt like if students knew that I cared, they would be a lot more willing to invest their time and their energy into my class. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not a hundred percent sure how they would describe me. I can tell <laughs> you, I'd, I'd like for them to describe me as a, um, fun, lighthearted, um, caring teacher mm-hmm. um, who, who made an investment and, uh, wouldn't let kids just settle for where they were at. Yeah. Um, so yep. that's, that's how I want to this me. <laughs> yeah. We'll have to, we'll have to bring a former student on and let them 
set the record straight. Exactly. And that'll be the next next one, you know, like season three of the podcast. I'll yeah. have the teacher and a student and they're like, you that's know, perfect. so I'll ask you something and then I'll look at the student and say, okay, now tell me if that's actually true. <laughs> and they'll probably say, no, not at all. No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they would say, Mr. Mosley tried to be funny, but you know, he just tells, yeah. he just oh, tells yeah. dad jokes. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. That's what I do too. I'm just, I can, I'm, I can almost be certain that that would be a response. Yeah, that's for me. That's a, just you know, king of the dad jokes, even still. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's funny. Um, so you know, I imagine, especially early on in your career, you know, you probably had those those days where you know, you might just ask yourself, like, what in the world have I gotten myself into? What am I doing here? And, you know, uh, how did you work yourself through those, those feelings of, you know, either being frustrated or disillusioned? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I can tell you, I distinctly remember my first six weeks of teaching. Mm -hmm. Um, there was a, another teacher who was new to the school and he he had been in teaching for a while, but it was his first year at Southwest. And, yeah, uh, we we struck up a a friendly relationship, and I would tell him quite a bit, like I I don't know what I'm doing here. What what did I get myself into? Mm -hmm. And and in the back of my head, I had this plan that I was gonna exit the education field, and I was gonna start up a food truck. Um, <laughs> that was. <laughs> That was my plan B. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, so I, I think that, you know, I, I emphasize anybody who's going through that and especially first year teachers. Mm -hmm. I can't, I can't imagine going into teaching right now and this being your first experience as a yeah. teacher. Oh yeah. Um, so I, I totally, totally get that. I, I would say how I dealt with it, um, you know, Number one, you you have to you have to have some way to vent, some way to to let off steam, some way to um, express your frustrations and, and what you're feeling. And mm -hmm. so, I, I've found that oftentimes in my colleagues, yeah, they are um, good empathizers mm -hmm. because they've felt a lot of the same things. And, uh, I will say though, you have to be careful who you pick right. to, to vent to, right? Cause there are those that are just gonna, you know, encourage you to you down to uh, pessimism and, oh, yeah. um, you know, cynicism. Yeah. Um, so you, you gotta, you gotta pick the right ones to vent to who are gonna say, yeah, I get it. Um, it'll get better though. Yeah. And, you know, remind you why you're there. I think that those, those colleagues and those friends are, are really important. Um, I would say another thing that I kind of learned was you have to, you have to also give yourself time and grace and space. Um, and, and just, you know, if you're grading papers till, eight o'clock one night, you know, and, and you're feeling frustrated the next night, don't grade any papers, yep. you know, mm -hmm. uh, just give yourself some, some space and some time away from craft. Cause it'll, it'll up your, 
your time and energy and your um, mental health if you let it. Um, so, you know, time and space is good. Yeah. And then I would say I, I came to the realization, you know, as we were talking earlier about how do I judge success, mm-hmm. I came to the realization that no matter what I do, I mm-hmm. want it to be for the student, you know, and I had to, to keep bringing myself back to that because I, I found that a lot of my frustrations were in um, perhaps administration or district level policies or state level policies, mm-hmm. and, uh, different mandates coming down from the top, you know, so on and so forth. Yeah. And I took a step back from that and I was like, okay, I understand they have to implement their kids, right? And, mm-hmm. and I'm here with the kids now. And let me make the most of my time here and now with the students in my classroom. Um, so mm-hmm. shifting shifting my focus away from those bigger problems that are kind of out of my control to yeah. to the kids that are right in front of me. You know, that I can spend the next 45 minutes or next hour and a half um, working through some of this English content with, Yeah, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's really good. And so, you know, if, and this kind of ties into that, but if you had one piece of advice to give a young teacher who's about to graduate and start their career, what would it be? I'd say... If your passion is truly in in education, so a lot of that, I that. Um, when it's not fun, you know you, you got to step back and, and figure out a way for it to be fun again. I, I think mm-hmm. that's really important to enjoy what you're doing. Hmm. Um, and, and you know, when I was in a place where I wasn't enjoying what I was doing, I was looking for other jobs within education where I felt like I maybe could enjoy mm-hmm. what I was doing. So I think that's really important is just to have fun doing what you're doing. Yeah. Um, and, and then I think there's a, a real tendency. I felt it in, in my career and I've seen it in a lot of colleagues. There's a real tendency to come out of the gate strong as a first year teacher mm-hmm. and overwork yourself and, um, think that you have the weight of the world on your shoulders yeah. and you don't. Yeah. Um, and you're not secure that way. So taking a step back and realizing, you know, if I take a break from grading or if I call in a sub tomorrow, the world's not going to end. Right. Yeah, absolutely. That was probably, that's what, what, what one of my colleagues told me earlier. She said, if you put that pile of papers down and leave the room and watch TV or go to bed, it's going to still be sitting there in the morning. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So it's not like you have to grade it before it runs away or disappears, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah. And that is, you're right. That's one of the hardest, that one of the hardest lessons to learn is like how to put your work down and and just say, you know, I've got to take a break and be okay with that and not feel that guilt. Right. Yeah. No, that's really good. Um, and so, uh, when you think about your career in education, 
up to this point? Like if you just think big picture, like what comes to the forefront of your mind when you think about your career up to this point in education? I would say as I, I think back on the last five and a half years, um, I think that I, and maybe this is just how I go about life in general, but mm-hmm. I, I would say that I've been a, a learner in this, this whole process and always been trying to, to take something from it. Mm-hmm. So, um, the last five years have been a, a big learning experience for me. Yeah. Um, some of the things that I've learned are that people matter and people are, you know, in education should always be the number one investment. Um, the number one investment shouldn't be test scores or um, hmm. it shouldn't be, you know, the salary or it shouldn't be um, the prestige of, of being the best teacher or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, fill in the blank. Right. Um, but people are the number one investment. And hmm. I think if you keep that in mind as an educator, it's, it's hard to go wrong. Um, it, it might not be popular sometimes mm-hmm. as funny as that may seem, Yeah, but, um, I don't think you can go wrong. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. Well, hey, uh, you know, that sounds to me like a, a good place to kind of to stop. So I just want to thank you again, Samuel, for taking some time to visit with us. I mean, I've really learned a lot from hearing your perspective on your career as an educator, what you've learned about teaching, what you've learned about people and putting people first. I think that's, you know, such an important uh, quality for any teacher to take with them into the classroom. So just thank you for uh, for spending some time with me tonight. Well, Dr. Alexander, thank you for the invite. It's been really fun and uh, hopefully we can do something like this again sometime. No, absolutely, for sure. Well, thank you so much. All right. Mm-hmm.